HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by New York Wines, reminding you to eat and drink local this Thanksgiving. For more information, visit newyorkwines.org. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest today is author and sommelier Hilary Zio. We'll talk about Hilary's new book, The Unfiltered Guide to Working in Wine, and we'll tell you guys how to get a job in the wine business. We'll also taste a Riesling on the weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. All right, so Hillary is in the house, but it ain't the Hillary we wanted. So I have Hillary Zeho here. Hillary has been in the wine industry for over 10 years with experience in fine dining, luxury retail, distribution, events, and as an educator and consultant. She's a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers and holds an advanced certificate in wines and spirits with the WSET, the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. And Hillary just wrote a new book, The Unfiltered Guide to Working in Wine. Welcome to the show, Hillary. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so I'm excited about your new book because the wine industry is a very glamorous industry. Oh, yeah. It's an exciting industry, but it requires a lot of long hours for the people who work in it, a lot of hard work, and it isn't necessarily easy to get into. Right. Um, So I want you to help me guide our listeners to a career in wine. Cool. All right? But first, tell me about your path, how you got to the world of wine and what you've been doing and then the book and what's going on now. And then we'll get into the book. 
Okay, sounds good. Um, so I'm originally from Aspen, Colorado, small town, and small town. <laughs> yeah, um, like I, Youngstown, Ohio. Exactly. Um, I did not come from any kind of wine background. So I grew up with my dad and my sister, and he was a Domino's ordering beer guy. Uh, you know, I was he was 18 when I was born, so wow. he really raised Young two parents. kids like a kid. Yeah, exactly. And so my kind of wine journey really started my last year of college. Um, I Which went to, was where? I went to Arizona State University. Okay. Party school. Yeah, ASU. And uh, the last year of college, I was a senior, I met my now husband, Anthony Zio, or Dargenzio, our last name. And he told me, uh, you know, that his dad was a winemaker. And I thought that was really interesting. I didn't know anything about wine. At so all. wait, you met Anthony at school? Yes. You were from Colorado. He was from where? Sonoma. He was so he was from wine country. Yeah, Santa Rosa. Okay. So when we uh, met, he told me his dad was a winemaker. I, I was like, "That's so interesting. I like wine, but I don't really know anything else about it." And he wanted to introduce me to his family, so he took me home, and I met his parents and his sister, who runs their winery, and his dad, who makes wine. So the wine. family owns the wine. He yeah. makes wine for the winery they own. Exactly. Can we say who it was or is? Yeah, it's D'Argenzio Winery. Okay. So just the last name, exactly. There you go. And they're in Santa Rosa. Um, so Ray D'Argenzio is the winemaker, his father, and he does a lot of Italian varietals. If you didn't catch that name, there's definitely some Italian. (laughs) Exactly. Barbera, um, Friolano, a lot of those grapes. It's really cool. So I guess, you know, when I went there, it was October and they were having like the harvest party, which every year, if you're in wine, you know that that's when they all release. Best time to be there. It really is. The the most exciting. Uh huh. And he asked me to help and he's like, put me right behind the bar and I just poured for everybody coming in. And that was sort of my aha moment. You know, I learned so much about wine and just that week that I was there and really wanted to work in it. Were you legal drinking? I was 21. Yes. (laughs) So I was a recent legal drinker and I just loved it. I caught on and I saw the process, the punch downs, bump overs, all the little barrels. I just really got excited. So you took it upon yourself to get into every aspect right. of the, the hospitality, the winemaking, right. all of that. That interested yeah. you. Yeah, especially the hospitality. Like from that event, I was telling people, well, what I was learning a little bit and they were getting excited. And it was just really that interaction that I was really obsessed with, honestly. Um, so I graduated a few months later and my husband was like, I'm not going to go back to Santa Rosa and <laughs> he had live no there. Interest. Yeah. Just like me. I don't want to go back to Aspen. I mean, we come from these small, beautiful towns, but Great. we wanted New York city. So we moved here and lived in New York city for 10 years. Almost. So you really never went back to the winery for any extended period after school or right after to do anything. Yeah, I mean, other than helping out a little bit here and there and doing some right. photography and but writing. nothing prolonged or yeah. major. Yeah, exactly. So my first job out of college was actually in the adult industry. Okay. So that's not what you think. Um, but um, <laughs> I... And which side of the camera? Yeah, or, exactly. No, no. The other side. Okay. So I was, uh, because of a retail background, I was asked to be an assistant buyer for a chain of adult stores, like a superstore. And, you know, it was really interesting. And I did that for like a year and a half, just purchasing things that you would think of for exotic dancers or whatever else. And there was 11 This was stores. in New York? This was in 
right before we moved, so right in Arizona. Okay. Yeah, and so I was kind of over that after, you know, just it's a strange industry, that's for sure. After, and I always after had, you wore your discount out, you <laughs> yeah, it that in, got right? old, right? Definitely. Right. So uh, we moved to New York, and I still had that idea of a wine career in my mind. So without any experience at all in wine, I started applying to jobs. And it was hard because I hadn't literally a single day of Applied experience. in New York? Yeah. Okay. And I mean, it's very competitive, as you know. Restaurants are competitive and everything. Retail stores. And I was 22 years old. So I got an internship, a seasonal internship at City Winery. And I was helping with the punch downs and going in the lab and checking bricks and pH So you levels. were on the winemaking side. Yeah. Because they have the restaurant and events exactly. and all that stuff. But you were yeah. involved in their own winemaking. Yeah, exactly. So I helped the winemaker and the assistant winemaker, like, cleaning the barrows and the SO2 candles. And, I mean, it's so much work, really. And it was an internship, so I needed to make money sometime. But it also really wears you out. You know, I say right. that three hours of winemaking is like eight at the gym. Right. <laughs> I don't know how many ladders and hoses I carried, but it was too many. So I, you know, I got certified while I was interning there as a sommelier without a single day of experience in a restaurant. So you or were a full store. throttle. You took a job yeah. really in the, the pits. You got yourself certified. I mean, you really put your head down and applied yourself to this. I definitely opened every book I could think of, and I did the WSCT at the same time because I figured there's got to be some crossover. How long does the WSCT take? I mean, depends on what you, your background ah, is. And okay. I did the advanced certificate, so that's level three. I would say that takes about a year, okay. you know, so um, year. if you're as new as I was. Yeah. So that was about a year, and then the certified I took in Colorado. Um, in my book, you'll hear the funny story, but it was not easy. The certified with the court is it's not an easy exam, and I definitely, uh, you know, I passed by, like, the skin of my teeth, let's just say Does that. anybody remember? <laughs> I don't know. You probably. passed. I passed. That's all that matters. And um, then when I was, you know, working at the winery, I heard that, Miss Laura Manick, Master Sommelier, at the time was the youngest female. She was opening Cork Buzz Wine Studio. This is after she left Steve Hansen's restaurant yes. group. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So I heard it was opening in about three months, and I lived in East Village. It was like on Fifth Ave. I, I walked to work, but she hired me. I guess she thought that she could really mold me into what a year server. was this? 2011. Okay. So right when it opened, November 2011. And I mean, she taught me how to use a POS system, but yet I knew all the varietals of Sicily. It was just exactly kind of... She literally built that place. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. I know she told me her and her uncle were, like, mm -hmm. doing the banquettes and all that. Yeah. So it's really a labor of love, that place. Yeah. And a great teacher. So yeah, she... she was a great teacher. That was really what I was interested in, all the classes. I mean, I knew of her because she taught my introductory course with the court. And I was like, what a cool woman. I, I want to work for her, you know? And after about a year and a half, I was promoted to the wine team, really as a sommelier on the floor. And How big is the team? Five people. Okay. Three of them were advanced sommeliers. I mean, for the tiniest place you can imagine, now two of them are master song candidates. So really a great team. That but but really now smart. you understand from your course why people would be there, want to be there, that's the right place. Yeah. You know, you need to feed your passion and be involved. So what's the big deal? Five people want to work here, put five people on the floor. Yeah, right? exactly. 
and everybody was so eager. I think I remember every staff training there, you know, just so inspiring and and great. So one night, uh, Laura said, she called me on my night off and she said, I can't teach tonight. I'm really sick. And Stacy Gibson and Morgan Harris, both advanced some ways, they can't teach either. They're out of town. Or so it was a lucky default thing. Yeah. It was right. like, uh, you know, she knew I lived in the East Village. She's like, come teach this class. And so I said, all right, and walked over there and taught food and wine pairing. I mean, I was so Were nervous. you nervous oh, or you were ready? I was were you ready? so nervous. But- I, I guess I was as, you know, I knew all about the wines right. that were there. And, and you observed Laura running yeah. classes, so oh, you yeah. had an idea. Definitely. So how'd it go? It went really well, and I was so excited that I got to talk to people passionate about wine, and I knew that teaching is what I wanted to do. So... I was like so eager. I want to teach more. I want to teach more. But as you know, it's a busy restaurant and she was a master. Everybody wants to take her class and they want to take Stacy and Morgan's class too. And so I didn't really get a chance to teach much after that. So that's, you know, I was there for about two years and I decided I wanted to just focus on wine education. So I went to New York Vintners in Tribeca. They're still around, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. They They're do doing... Big, they do pretty big, you know amount of classes and all that stuff apparently they teach more classes than anybody on the northeast northeast yeah so for two years i worked there and taught they they took you right in they did coming from cork Cork buzz and your background yeah absolutely so well so what are you teaching there was it a multitude of different classes wine 101 italian i mean what what did you do there yeah i mean it was regions of italy regions of spain france a lot of wine 101 a lot of wine and cheese um, I loved it, but it gets repetitive. <laughs> As you can imagine, teaching acidity and tannin and what these grapes are, it gets old after a while. And as the director of education, I wanted to teach Burgundy and I wanted to teach Bordeaux and things like that, but they wouldn't always fill up. Uh, they had to be a little more high-end. And as you're aware, I'm sure, not a lot of people know much about wine. Right. So you have to teach Especially the Burgundy. <laughs> exactly. They're like, what am I going to go take a class on Burgundy? I they don't even know what grapes are. They want to start, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, every single day I taught, and sometimes Saturday and Sunday I'd teach three classes in a row. Wow. So private, public, whatever it was, teaching a lot. And like I said, it got a little... Monotonous. You know, yeah, it's just kind of over and over. So I, uh, I was talking with a couple of reps that came in. I purchased a lot of the wines for the classes because I was the one teaching it. So they gave me that. They were really great. I, they let me do whatever I want. In there. You ordered what you taught. Yeah. yeah. So I said, I'm doing Spain. I need some sherry. And I, I met a lot of people in the industry that way. Uh, one woman in particular, she was like, why don't you try being a distributor so you can have these really intellectual conversations every day with people about wine. And it's not 101, 101. And I said, yeah, maybe you're right. So I went out into the Craigslist world of there's a whole lot of wine distributors, <laughs> wine distributors out there. And, I mean, they vary so much more than restaurants, I think. And, I, I mean, you can work for a wonderful place, a horrible place. Good product, bad people. <laughs> exactly. Bad product, good, good people. people. Location. Small, big. Or what about... Big doesn't mean you're good. Yeah, or what uh, territory you're given. Right. Or, I mean, there's just so much. So... I got a job. Um, I really liked it. It was for a small importer slash distributor. They do both AP Wine Imports. Great place. 
Um, Any specialty they had? 90% French, really. And 90% organic. So I loved that. That's really right up my alley. That's my kind of style, honestly. And I went around to all of the places I knew. I had no territory because they were so small. They let you go anywhere. Yeah, they're like, you know them? Go in. That was literally and the about. portfolio and the product you felt good about. Absolutely, if you I think, could sell it. They'd be oh happy with it. It, it yeah. wasn't crap. It was interesting stuff. Oh yeah, I did not dislike a single wine on that portfolio, and I liked it so much. For eight eight months, I worked for them and doing, you know, just back effectively. In, I'd say okay. It's really hard to get established when you're new and young into the distribution world. And really a natural wine, small portfolio. Yeah, you know, it takes a little more work. Yeah, you definitely have to have the right kind of places and know what you're doing and know a lot of people. But I did okay, and I started getting, you know, the physical going back and forth to Brooklyn six times with a wine bag. It's not easy, and carrying it over your shoulder or wheeling it. Sometimes I think that if I lived in Chicago or another city and had a car that I'd still be doing it, but it's just really not, <laughs> it was not working for me. So I had slip after disc. less than a year, you bagged it. Yeah, I did. I, I had, you know, a slip disc and uh, <clears throat> just a lot of pain in my back. I, I couldn't physically do it, unfortunately, because so then I loved it. Um, so then I decided to work you know, sales still, but the consumer side. So I worked at Morel in Rockefeller Center and talking to, you know, collectors all day and selling them the wines that they want and finding the wines they want. Very high end, great you reputation. Know, very coveted, allotted yes. wines and all of that. They're the oldest, I mean, right. like probably in the city, you know, and huge uh, group of people. And the sales was very structured and it was very. You know, clock in, clock out, get your list, call them, email them. Were you them. doing in-store or you were doing backroom phone, client-oriented? I was doing backroom while well, it was on the 50th floor of a building, you know, across from Rockefeller, Rockefeller Center. Center. And I was calling all of my account or accounts, you know, consumers and emailing them. And it was just too hard. structured. It was so hard. But it was just a little too much structure. I didn't love being in Rock Center every day, to be honest, right. and taking the subway in rush hour, but <laughs> and, and then just punching the clock and having all that structure just got a little... It wasn't for me. So I decided I want to do my own thing. And I started just teaching class on the side for companies. I do a lot of corporate events and private... I do 50 So that, that makes total sense, and you kind of ramped up to that, but you know, how do you set up your first class? Where did you, what'd you do to, did you go out and contact people? You, you, what'd you do to, you know, build the business? Yeah. I mean, I am very, um, active on social media. So So you took advantage of social media. Absolutely. And other websites and advertising. So that was what year? Um, that was only like a year and a half ago. Okay. So for less than the last two years, Mm -hmm. you've been doing Mm -hmm. consulting events. Yeah. Okay. And, um, I've been getting like a really great response and sometimes I would go on localwineevents.com and put myself out there. Right. Um, a lot of wineries and brands started noticing me and they wanted me to write for their offers. So, so I would do email offers. Snowballing a little. Yeah. So I got to write a lot, which I found I really enjoyed. And about a year ago, it was fall of last year, I had a lot of people reaching out to me like, hey, I want to work in wine. I want to work in wine. Like my, my Instagram 
direct message inbox was always, always full. And so there's our segue <laughs> to the book. Okay, there we so go. So that's when yeah. you decided, hey, this is a good idea. Let me write a book from my experience because nobody has really created a guide exactly. on how to get in the wine business. Exactly, especially for you know, being in the city where we don't have a lot of wineries left and right that we can just go dig in the dirt. I'm talking about restaurant, retail, wholesale. Distribution. Just, yeah, just all of it where that I didn't find it available. And when I tried to help people and show them a book, I couldn't find one. So I said, all right, I'm going to make one. So and you so started writing the book when? Um, May. This past May. This past May. Yeah. I kind of banged it out in like three months, and to be honest. And it's done. I'm like the type Publish. of writer that just like goes, <laughs> you okay. know, so yeah, I really, I just put my experiences in and I know they're different from other people, especially because I've worked for small companies, really small companies. Right. I, I don't have any experience with the large corporate side, but I think in the wine world, not a lot of people do. Um, right. Yeah. So. so the book is called The Unfiltered Guide to Working in Wine. And now it makes sense, you know, how Hillary got to the point as to the why, as to why she wrote it. So you have this book now. It's very, yeah. it's, it's a guide. It's yeah. very experiential and all that. Yeah. So let's talk to our listeners. Anyone who's passionate about wine, you know, who's a collector or works in it, wants to do something. There's many different levels that you talk to people about, and we'll get to them. But is there... Is there like an important first step, like when you decide, hey, I think I want to get into wine, what, you know, mm -hmm. when you look at the book, what's the first thing people really need to think about? Well, buy the book, but then <laughs> Buy the book. Um, you know, you have to know your stuff. You've got to know your shit. Like, you can't go in and, first of all, most places that are hiring in the wine industry are going to test you on wine. All right, so that's that's yeah. an important thing. Yeah. So you may be into wine, you may be an amateur collector. Of all your friends, you may know more than most people. But if you want to get a job, you have to have a certain level of wine knowledge. So mm -hmm. you have a chapter where you talk about certification, right? Yeah. So I guess the suggestion is here are what are the certifications people should think about, mm -hmm. you know, to to get past that first step. Definitely. Well, I'm a huge supporter of the court, you know, okay. the court of master assemblies going in and taking those courses, but it's not that easy to pass the second level without any kind of classes. So taking classes with the WSET, I definitely think is the best way so to go. Court of master assemblies, which mm -hmm. you are part of, mm -hmm. and then there's the WSET. So mm -hmm. you're talking about both. Right. The court has different levels. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the second one. So if you're going to sort of walk, walk through the door to a restaurant or a retailer distributor, what's the minimum in your mind or your recommendation that, you know, people should, huh. you know, get to? Yeah. I mean, at least the introductory with the court or at least the intermediate with okay. the WSET, because that only really takes six weeks, eight weeks. Like okay. you can do that, you know, even while you're at the job you hate or whatever. You can do it online for a lot of them. With the WSET, do I did my entire side. thing on the side at the job I was about to leave. <laughs> you know, Is it inevitable at this point that you're going to be starting at a grunt job? Like you're going to get into a restaurant or a retailer and sort of go in at a low level? I mean, yes, if, it's, if you're really new, but it can be a great place. 
You know, you right. could, yeah, a great place. Great but opportunity. Yeah, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Actually, but you're gonna, my point is you're going to start somewhere at the bottom. Right, and you have to know that and that you have to work your way up for All sure. All right, so you, you recommend and you guide people to get some kind of certification. Mm-hmm. It helps you get through the door. Plus, in reality, you need the wine knowledge. Yeah. Now, do you have a ch- I know you have a chapter on resumes and interviews. Mm-hmm. So what's important there? Well, knowing that you're going to be tested on wine is important right at an interview. So the certification helps you get by a certain level yeah. when you come to that. Absolutely. And um, interviewing, it's funny, people don't realize uh, when they're looking at a resume, it's got to be well, you have to have this job for this amount of time, but the restaurant world, they change jobs so much. You know, every server has had... So it's kind so of bullshit. Many. Yeah, it is. It's like you're telling me one thing and another thing's happening. Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, other industries are different, but the wine industry, it's going to be, hey, maybe more experience is better, and then you can strike up a conversation about it. But if you've worked only for an Italian wine store or, I mean, restaurant for so long, you better know about other things, too, and be open-minded, or you're not really going to get anywhere else, you know? So on the resume and in the interview, the chapter kind of tips people off to mm-hmm. how you should present yourself and all of that. So this way you're going in with... I guess your trade secrets or your experiences. Now let's talk about what type of jobs, Mm -hmm. restaurants, distributors. I mean, give me, you know, the top five, you know, where, where they're hiring or there's the most jobs. I, I mean, what are some of the areas? I know you have chapters on different, you know, sectors. So yeah. W- what are they? So I start with the restaurant. That's kind of okay. the first chapter of jobs. And we talk about servers and the wine team or a sommelier and then managing and owning and really all the things that you can look forward to if that's what you're interested in and buying, of course. So it kind of stays the same with the retail, which is the next chapter. Right, but there's a lot of restaurants. Right. And yeah. there's a lot of wine programs. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of people doing it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of opportunities. Absolutely. You said a cork buzz, there were five of you on the floor, and it's not a big yeah. place. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so restaurants is really a hot sort of spot yeah. for wine. There's a ton of really great restaurants with, you know, availability for passionate people that love wine. And I always think the best idea is to go for the places with the best wine programs. Maybe that means they're casual, maybe they're fine dining, but people that care about education because you are just going to be subjected to so many different styles of wine and wine countries working in a restaurant that has a bigger variety and cares about the education aspect. You alluded to retail. So Mm -hmm. retail would obviously be stores. Stores, yeah. So that you could start as like shop girl is what I call it or shop right. boy, you know, you're behind the counter and you're ringing it up. But then and there's a chapter on retail. Yeah. So it'll kind of walk you through what to expect, what to do, mm-hmm. how to handle it. Yeah. And then after that, you know, maybe you'll go into a consulting role where you're helping. But wait, the before you get yeah, to that, because that's sure. a little heady. But <laughs> yeah. Talk about like the distribution network. You did it for a little while. Right. You know, the wine that gets to restaurants or the stores comes through importers and distributors. You mm-hmm. talk about that. Mm-hmm. What does that entail? So it it's kind of interesting because you learn a lot about your portfolio, and maybe that's all you need to know about, but I don't think you can have a 
really successful um, career without knowing other things as well and all of the best producers and all of the best regions unless, you know, you've learned everything. But it's cool with being a distributor because you get to make your own schedule and you get to work on everybody. Not for everybody. Not for everybody, but... It's sales. At the same time, though, nobody will really see you after 5 p.m., right? Because if that's service, maybe they're getting ready for serving or if it's retail maybe they're just too busy because everybody's coming in so you have a really nice balance you have this you get to hang out with your boyfriend after five you know versus that's important to you (laughs) you yeah and as you go through the book that may appeal to you um one of the things that you did and you alluded to a couple of minutes ago Mm -hmm. is wine education so Mm -hmm. there's a section on that you taught at a cork buzz you did new york wine Mm -hmm. um and you do it your profession now is as a wine consultant and an educator. So talk about that chapter and that, you know, field. Yeah. So you can teach class at a restaurant, obviously. You can do it in a retail store. This is kind of one of the last chapters I had on how to teach a wine class, how to go through what to be, what to expect really, and how to taste because that's most important and swirl, sips. So is it fair to say to get to that point, you probably need a few years yeah. in the business yeah. doing some of the things we talked about, restaurant, yeah. distributor, retail, certifications and all that. Definitely. And passionate with a desire to continue, now you could take the skills and mm-hmm. educate. You could do corporate stuff, oh, small yeah. things and all of that. And, and that's what you're doing. So there's a chapter on really how to stage the event, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And what to expect. You know, it's like two hours is pretty much your average wine class. So you walk them through the whites and then the reds or the region that you're talking about and being ready for all of the questions that come at you. Can you just tell me one thing from experience? When you do a tasting, how do you calculate how much wine in the bottle per person? (laughs) So if you have a class of 10 or, or tell me the ratios. Yeah. So if I have like 10 people and we do six, different wines three reds three whites three reds three whites i'd be pretty good on one bottle you could pour one bottle out to 10 people yeah yeah it's a tasting Mm -hmm. it's a sip and a tasting but at 12 it's gonna be two so you gotta go to two yeah and then you could pour it on Mm -hmm. all right and people always want more and then yeah and then they'll key in on something they like and they're like give me more of that yeah all right are there any other wine careers we didn't cover well I talk a little bit about, like, writing and social media and, and different things. But, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot that, that's so out there. So social media is important. Yeah. All right, so here's what I want to do. Um, I want to take a quick break. Mm-hmm. And then I want to come back, finish up. I want you to answer my wine list. And then after that, we're going to taste some wine. Cool. So stay with us. Um, I'm Sam Ben Ruby. You're listening to The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back after this break. Brought to you by Taxstar, and this track is called Vicodin Dreams. 
Thanksgiving is a great time to support New York farmers, including local wineries. Find great white wines, red wines, and rosés from Long Island, the Hudson River region, the Finger Lakes, and beyond at New York City wine shops and restaurants. This Thanksgiving, New York Wines is proud to partner with Fleischer's Craft Butchery, which supports local farmers raising heritage breed turkeys in New York State. With a healthy dose of ingenuity and a collaborative winemaking culture, the number of wineries in New York has grown exponentially over the last 10 years, as has the quality of the wines they produce. New York is a world-class wine region, offering quality, variety, and value. The perfect trifecta for a bountiful Thanksgiving feast. For information on more than 400 New York wineries, please visit newyorkwines.org. We're back. We're back with Hillary Zio. D-R-Gen-Zio? Yeah, good Was that yeah. Either one. But Hillary Zio's fine. Yep. Um, we're talking about Hillary's book, um, The Unfiltered Guide to Working in Wine. We just talked about all the opportunities and, you know, what you sort of need to get up and going. So the book is out. Mm-hmm. It's published. Yeah, it's in six weeks. Your mom can hold it up. <laughs> yeah. So how is it going now that the book is out? Thanks. It's going really well. I, I only have five-star reviews on Amazon. That's so great. I'm like, I was kind of waiting for like a hater or something just because everybody's had different experiences in wine, and I've seen people just get ripped apart. So I was like, all right, you know, let's do this. Who's it going to be? So people but, appreciate it and yeah. review it positively. Exactly. And is Amazon the key source of sales? I, yeah. I do mean, you have it in any stores? I mean, do you have the distribution? A couple of wine stores okay. and wine tasting rooms, so wineries. So really, if you want the book, Amazon is yeah, as easy is. as anything. Yeah, or Barnes & Noble. But um, I'm actually going to be in a college, so it's going to be a, in a class soon. I'm really excited so about So they're going to use it as a guide? Yeah, as the part full, of the class. Is, is it part of the class or the whole class is on it? No, it's, part it's of, just okay. a small part of the class. But it's, um, you can know. Can I guess it's a college in New York or something? No, it's actually in Oregon. Okay. <laughs> so it's My a, bad. Yeah. No. So that's exciting. Yeah. So somebody, that's a validation. It really is. And an acknowledgement that the work you did is, you know, good enough to yeah. sort of. I'm helping people. That's drop all that matters. Drop to people yeah. and all that. All right, I, I wanted to ask you one other thing because mm-hmm. I think you're very active in this. The role social media has played in wine. I think the wine world today with social media is just totally different than it was five years ago, yeah. ten years ago. Tell me how you use it mm-hmm. and how it's affected you know, what you do. Yeah. Be, be specific. I mean, it's changed so much even in the last year or two. Right. So it used to be people sending these dark labels because you know when you're drinking wine it's usually at night and that's not a lot of good lighting that's that's me but i'll learn go ahead Um, when you said dark label i'm like what does that mean it's somebody takes a shot with bad lighting and you can barely see the label at night and and so that sucks right yeah but even label shots are like boring right so i started to kind of think about let's let's get creative and let's do like good photography in the day and let's bring out some food and style Lady it up cheese, yeah let's flowers. let's do it exactly flowers and so but I started, with intention of displaying the bottle and the, and the wine right. and then i i always put you know tasting notes in there or a link over to my blog with tasting notes and then i add hashtags and wine it was a little late to 
to the game of Instagram, you know? So Never too late. Never too late, absolutely. But a lot of people are just starting. I'm just starting Twitter. It was kind of backwards for me, but it's... It's really interesting. I'll use like certain hashtags and then people will start commenting more and you just right. have to keep up with it all because there's good times. You and have to manage it. You yeah. have to hashtag, oh, yeah. you have to search. So I'm just curious, if you're at a restaurant and you drink a great bottle of wine, you're not going to take the dark label picture. I'm not. <laughs> so how are people going to know you had this killer bottle of wine at a restaurant? You'll bring the bottle home and stage something the next day or you just move on? I haven't done on? that yet. Okay. But with Instagram stories, you can kind of take a dark video and... You know, people right. can see it because it's not your post. It's like not your online magazine. Do you, know? you do? Do you do Instagram stuff for other people? Yes, besides I, your personal account. So I actually manage part of five, your business. It's part of my business. Okay. So can you wh- talk about it? Of course. Okay. So I have in my freelance work. I do a lot of things, but one of them I manage five Instagram accounts. So I have wine, all yeah, wine all related. wine related. So. One is a retailer, and one is a wine PR firm, and one is a restaurant group, so and then good my diversity. own. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, we will do some trades. They send me wine. I take some photos, and <laughs> and then that's how Instagram and, works. Yeah, you know, is. you're an influencer, and you know, people are following you. So yeah. your Instagram account is at Hillary Zio. H i l l a r y z i o. Okay. Yeah. Um, how do you go about getting followers? Well, I like and comment smart, you know, so I find the things that I think people are going to like me by liking them and commenting on them. So you're not sitting by idly. You're searching and responding and engaging. Exactly. That's the best way. Smart liking is what I call it. Yeah. Give me your best explanation of what smart liking is. So if you see an account you really like, that's maybe triple your size and following go over and see who's following them and then when you find the ones that you know you think would follow you too and you do like so the you're photos, looking at their like list yeah you're scrutinizing it to things that interest you and maybe influencers and that's right. that's how you get targeted followers. yeah and i reach out to people i direct message like hey what are you drinking tonight i mean i'm very very active and it takes a lot of time for sure. i noticed I noticed you have like eleven, twelve thousand Instagram followers, yeah, and like six Twitter followers. I know. So I just starting, never even started it. <laughs> Twitter search maybe is one of the greatest search vehicles. So what you talked about, that's you'll be able to as you put time into it. Yeah, that's why I started. I realized with the Google search and like Twitter comes up first. So, so I was when late. we talked <laughs> about how the wine business changed, what you're doing now is just totally embedded in how social media has an effect on wine, right? Yeah. The Instagram thing, how you present yourself. I don't know anybody else who's doing what I do, you know, and the writing and reaching out. It's, I'm starting something that if it works great, you know, yeah, we'll see. It'll just evolve. It'll change. It happens. You're a first in. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we're going to move on. Yeah. I think we covered a lot. Definitely. I want you, we do a weekly feature called The Wine List, and it's a bunch of questions. I didn't prompt you, and I want you to give me your best answers. Okay. okay. It's not too crazy. Don't get nervous. <laughs> okay. So what wine are you drinking now? What are you liking? What are you drinking? I, I'm a Francophile, like most people in some ways, but I love Chenin Blanc. That's like... Vouvray is my favorite thing, probably. Uh, I love Gamay. Um, I had a really great Rosso de Montalcino the other day. I'm not fancy. Good value wine, yeah, right? Good value. I, 
And whatever's sent to me that, you know, people may want me to repost, right. I'll taste. I was at the Raw Wine Fair this yeah, past weekend, so and I bumped into Pascaline La oh, Pelletée. Yeah. She's so sweet. <laughs> Talk about Shannon Blanc. I oh, mean, yeah. That's, that's like life. her life with yeah, Rouge I mean, Tomat. She's oh, my so gosh. deep. All right, so Shannon Blanc's Gamay's a, yeah. a Rosso de Montalcino. Favorite wine and food pairing? Something you've done oh, over and hard. over. And I always say this, don't tell me champagnes and oysters. I know, I know. And That's boring. Um, okay, well, actually, two days ago, I was cooking a chicken, and I only had two lemons. It was a lemon chicken, and so it was like a lemon pepper chicken, and I was baking it for six people, and so that's not enough lemons. And I was like, well, why don't I just open this California Sauvignon Blanc and just and pray for citrus? Use it as a... Yeah. It was You're phenomenal. Right. Very citrusy, grassy. So now yeah. it's a lemon, lemon chicken, blanc Cali chicken. Star- yeah, there we go. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's... It's not like my favorite, but I, I just, asked you for I a know. food pairing. That was like a cooking thing, but I get it. So what did you drink uh, with that chicken? I drank that Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, so that's... But that's a good <laughs> But other too. than that, um, have you ever tried sherry with... Like tuna roll, like sushi. No, but because that's, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, okay. That's not out it's, there, but yeah. that's very approachable. You get this nuttiness and saltiness. It's beautiful. That's a good one. Your favorite wine restaurant or bar? In New York? So, yeah. Um, and Hillary lives upstate, north of New York. So you can either give me something there, something here, or both. Okay. But don't feel the pressure. I know it changes so much in New York as you know you can imagine but last week I was at David Burke Kitchen okay. for the first time um, it was actually the Gurgich Hills 40th anniversary luncheon I saw that Violet Gurgich oh, yeah, was there she's, she's promoting amazing. the book yeah, yeah. good book um, but they did so well and it was a beautiful setting in fact I don't even like sweets and I'm, I'm just totally a savory person and I couldn't stop talking to the pastry chef. I was like, this is phenomenal. Nice. And the service was great. And you know, What about up by you? You're up in Hudson, New York. Yeah. And there's not a renaissance, but there's the start of this incredible you know, food scene. Are, are guys opening up you know, mm-hmm. wine bars or restaurants? Yeah. I mean, is there a place you find yourself there more than others? Yeah. Actually, um, so Fish and Game is right. a really common, you know, lo- great place. beautiful place. Is but that Zach Palaccio? Um, or is that someone else? I'm not exactly it sure. Maybe I think so. I, and then they just opened uh, Back Bar, which is like their wine bar slash casual eats place, and they had the pretty much like raw wine festival. It was the peripheral uh, right. wine, natural wine festival, and they have great natural wine, cider, beer. It's just an awesome place. Nice. There's so many good places. So that's called Back uh, Bar. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite all-time wine is there something that is it a birth wine is it the first burgundy is there something actually yeah and i mean i had so much great wine when i was at cork buzz especially in new york vintners for private events especially yeah i did uh, a few years ago i did a class on the 1982 first growths and i mean yeah which was in our time one of the best vintage years yeah and i loved them but i thought what i wish it out <laughs> well the margot for me okay it was just really floral and beautiful but i wondered how it would have been six years ago because they were lacking some fruit i know really? everybody's like what are you talking about first growth stuff in here young. yeah like that's yeah. nothing um so about 
a couple months ago, I had a 1988 Cheval Blanc, and I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. And maybe because I lean towards Santamillion anyways and love my Merlot. But six years older? I mean, yeah. newer, newer made it more fruity. and yeah. fruity. Okay. I mean, it had all that tobacco and everything, but I just like a plump wine. I can't really, you know. Well, that's a plump wine. Yeah. An 88 Cheval Blanc. Mm -hmm. All right, two more questions. Give me, from your experience, your best wine for my listeners to go out and buy. 15 bucks or less. Give me a red. Give me a white. Okay. Ooh, Bohigas Cava. I guess that's sparkling. <laughs> that no, count. no, no. That's okay, okay, all right. I'll put white that grapes, under the white. White grapes. Sorello, so Cava, Mac which is a Spanish sparkling mm -hmm. wine. Did you give me the brand? I didn't hear. Bohigas. Spell it. B-O-H-I. G-A-S. Okay. So they're like old school, and they are just making it so and nice. 15 bucks or less? Oh, my gosh. It's like 12. Okay. So Bohigas Cava is our white pick, and that's a sparkler, which mm -hmm. we don't get a lot of sparkling answers. Now, give me mm -hmm. a red. Um, You know what I just had over at Amphora? And I know it's going to be on that $15, $16 range in retail, not New York, but Sancerre Rouge by uh, Daniel Crochet. So Sancerre Rouge is from Loire Valley, left in, on the skin, so it has a little rouge. No, it's or, actually Pinot Noir. Oh, it's, it's a okay. red wine from Sancerre. All right. So who is the producer? Daniel Crochet. Spell Crochet. C R O C H E T. Like crocheting. Crochet. Okay. Uh, he's related to Lucien Crochet. I think okay. he's like a cousin or something. But he's all organic. It's a beautiful, beautiful wine. So you're leaning towards organic, biodynamic, yeah, natural usually. wines and all that. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Thanksgiving's coming up. Mm -hmm. Tell me, again, from your expertise, what's a good, if you had to pick one or two wines for Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. where are you not going to go wrong by putting A and B on the table? What are we doing? Well, I really, like I was talking about that Rosso de Montalcino earlier, but Sangiovese in general is going to have that herbaceousness that you want with your turkey. You know, a so little you rosemary. Like reds, you like a little heavier. Yeah, I mean, Italian. it's medium. Okay, it's, it I doesn't have that. too much, like, barrelage or anything new as far as the barrels, but it has that spice and that... Um, to me, all Italian wine tastes like herbs. You know, it has the things that you want to cook with, what and you those, want in your stuffing. Those are good food pairing yeah, wines. Yeah, yeah. So there's a good recommendation. Did you say Rosso de Montalcino? Yeah, yeah. And any Sangiovese-based wine? Really, yeah. Okay. I mean, you can go for it with Brunello, and if right. you're going up for it, do it. Okay. Um, Rioja is also really great, especially with, like, if you have a sausage stuffing or something more meaty and smoky than that real husband. So you're, you're more pedal to the metal because mm -hmm. some people will say Riesling, yeah. I do and, love Riesling. you know, stuff like that. But, yeah. but I, I, I'm with you on that. All right. So we have a feature every week. It's called the um, Weekly Wine Sip, and we taste wine on the air because we can. And what I try to do is taste wines that are accessible and cheap. So we have... Here's a glass. Mm -hmm. We have, sorry, I'm moving around, a 2013 Kung Fu Girl Riesling. Now, let me tell you a little about this. This Kung Fu, I have to read some notes. This is a 2013 Kung Fu Girl Riesling. It's made by outlaw winemaker Charles Smith. 
if you don't know who he is, if you ever saw a picture, you'll know who he is. He has a big mane of white hair. It's made in the Columbia Valley, Washington State, and it retails for between 10 and 15 bucks. And it's available at most wine stores. It consistently rates in the low 90s, which is a great value to quality uh, wine um, for the price. And I brought it because it's sort of still mild out. It's a screw off. You didn't hear a cork pop. And I also think it's not a bad wine for Thanksgiving. And I didn't hear you disagree. So we're going to taste this. There's a 2013, which we're drinking. There's a 14 and a 15, which are pretty much at the stores now. But I wanted to try this with you with a little bottle in each. All right. All right. So Hillary and I are going to taste the 2013 Kung Fu Riesling. This is an American Riesling. Riesling is traditionally um, a German wine. All right, so let's give it a sniff and a sip. Color, it's kind of a nice yellow gold. It's got some medium yellow. Let's talk about the nose. Mm. It's It's pretty floral. It's definitely has like that white flower, blossomy. I get a little lychee, Mm -hmm. which you get in. Anything else? It's like over? stewed lemons, you know, like more. It's not that citrusy. It's yeah, it's cooked. not underripe. That's a good it's, point. So it's, it's candied a little bit too. All right, so let's. A little of that petrol. Yeah, I don't get a lot of that, but it's there. All right, let's throw it over the tongue. Mm. So, I pick up a little acidity. Definitely. Right. Definitely. There's a little bubble on the mouth. There's a lot of green notes. That's kind of what the I'm thinking. The mouthfeel is medium. Medium it's, minus. It's like a, on the lighter side, but... But not light, light. No, it's definitely... It has some weight, but I get like a bell pepper almost, or like mm. jalapeno. Like, there's some green qualities to it. It's nice. What about balance? It's all balanced, yeah. Don't forget it's a $13 bottle of oh, wine, yeah. so we don't want to go too crazy. I've had Kung Fu Girl. I love it. It's so funny. Do you... When people think of Riesling, they're like, oh, that's some silly sweet wine or whatever. I mean, no. some of the great wines <laughs> are made, you know, in the Riesling region, the Moselle and all yeah. that. They're very dry. But Riesling's, and, and this one, because it's not expensive, has sometimes a subtle sweetness. Mm-hmm. Do you pick up a... Just a little bit. So you it's know. dry enough. Yeah. So you good, know? good food wine? Definitely. What were you, were you going to say something? Well, it's a little bit effervescent. Like, there's mm. some bubble bubbles going on in there for sure, and maybe that's the vintage. Do you think because it's a couple of years old, or you think this... Usually the younger ones are going to have more effervescence, so... And because... Pet net. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. No. <laughs> sort of. Um, but would, yeah. Well, you're, you're right. The first thing I said was that acidity attack, yeah. which is the bubbles. But even if you look in the glass, there's some bubbles there. Yeah. But, I mean, this is a... This is a cool wine. It's a cool label. When we talked about wines for 15 and under to bring, I think this falls there. It's a good food wine, um, good gift, good wine to buy three, four bottles while you're having chicken or, you know, whatever. Or like a pork belly, you Mm. know, a little acidity to cut through the fat. It's got enough to cut through the fat and all that. I could see some blue cheese with this, too. So you pair it. Pork belly is a good thing. Blue cheese because it'll hold up to Mm -hmm. the... Acidity will cut through the fat. Definitely. All right. What about food, food, chicken, pork, or not? What would you, what's your first choice on that? I think you have to be careful because it's on the lighter side. You don't want any kind of heavy creams or sauces. Just 
If you did a chicken, maybe just a grilled chicken breast, something kind of light and easy. Okay, so chicken. All right, so that's the 2013 Kung Fu Girl Riesling. It's made in Washington State. It's about 10 to 15 bucks. 15 is definitely on the high end. And is it fair to say Hillary and I, we liked it? Oh, yeah. Okay, and definitely. you've had it before. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so finally on the Grape Nation, we have the weekly wine calendar. The Brooklyn Crush Wine and Artisanal Food Festival takes place on Saturday, November 12th from 1.30 to 10p at Industry City in Brooklyn. There's an admission fee, so be prepared for that. And also, Taste of Oakville Live at Carnegie Hall takes place on November 16th from 7 to 9 p.m. You can go to the oakvillegrowers.org. There's an admission fee for that. Oakville's probably considered the best wine-growing region in Napa. Some of the most famous wines are there. So there's going to be an aggregation of wineries from there. So it's a good chance to walk around. Stephen Starr is going to provide the food. Um, and if you have a wine happening or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's Sam at the Grape Nation. And we'll help you promote your event. All right. I want to thank Hillary Zio. Thank you. Pick up her new book, The Unfiltered Guide to Working in Wine. If you are very interested in pursuing a career in wine, you're passionate about it, you're willing to put some time in, and I learned something very quickly from Hillary that you can pursue this, but you definitely need some wine knowledge and certification. So be ready for that. And once you get going, I think Hillary's book will guide you um, to a lot of different areas and directions you know, that could interest you. Um, we talked before. Amazon.com is probably the best place to look for it. I want to thank our engineer, Pierre, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. Go to heritageradionetwork.com for more info. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and this is the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. We bring wine to the people. The theme music for this program is brought to you by the Grautet. That's G-R-A-U-T-E-T. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thank you.